This is the Business Storytelling Show, a top global marketing podcast listened to in more than 100 countries, live streamed on social media, and broadcast on DBTV. Christoph Trapp chats with industry leaders to help your company tell better business stories. Here's today's episode. Hey, 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 business storytellers, episode 645. And I hope, I really, really hope this is going to be a clear one. Ha ha ha. Because we're talking about clear communications. How do you get to the point? And I'm actually super excited to talk to Steve Woodruff. He wrote The Point, How to Win with Clarity Fueled Communications. Now, one thing, just to keep you in the loop, we are back on Amazon. Uh, Amazon Live. Um, so you can, if you're watching there, I really appreciate you coming back. Any comments on any of the networks, feel free to uh, leave your comments. We'll try to get to them. And certainly if you're watching on DBTV or listening on the podcast channels, make sure you connect on LinkedIn so you can always watch these shows when we're going live. Now, what is so hard about being clear? What's so hard about getting to the point? I don't know. Um, so those are some of the questions I want to ask Steve. Oh, one other thing about Amazon. Everything around me, the sound panels, the chair, maybe even this shirt. I'm pretty sure I got that on Amazon. Everything you can see below in the carousel, you can purchase. So any questions about the product, let me know. But I would recommend sound panels and I would recommend a good microphone. All right, enough about the pedaling. Let's talk about clear communications. Steve, welcome to the show. Awesome to be here, Christoph. Thank you. Nice to see you. Um, always interesting to talk to people, you know, that try to encourage others to communicate clearly. Why is this even something we need to write a book about? I mean, are people just not getting it or they don't want to get it? Or what's the problem? I think every single one of your listeners has either said in their minds or said out loud, I just wish that person would get to the point. And we see that in conversations, we see that in presentations, we see that in emails. And it turns out that people really do struggle to actually articulate the reason, the purpose for this communication. We tend to say too much, we send, tend to say it in a sort of a confusing and foggy way. And that leaves the recipient wondering, what's the point here? Yeah, and that's, of course, a problem. I mean, it depends on what setting you're in, right? I mean, like if you're just having beers and if somebody sometimes doesn't understand what you're saying, maybe who cares, right? Moving moving on to the next topic or just sitting there and drinking beers, looking at right. each other. Um, but if it's in a business setting, I mean, it could have real impact, right? Because if people don't understand what you're talking about, what your product actually, what, what, what uh, pain point it solves for them or whatever it might be, there can be real um, issues with that. You've made a great distinction because this book isn't about uh, informal banter between friends. That's not, we don't really need to, to get a, a bunch of advice about that. But in fact, in the professional world, the vast majority of our communication is purposeful. It's not just bantering back and forth. There's a real intention. There's purpose and there are implications to what's being communicated. So in fact, we have to become what I call communication designers. We have to take whatever the information is and package it in a way that gets to the point quickly for our audience. 
Very interesting. And actually, I was just Googling here, communication designers. Let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, that is apparently um, a very common term because a lot of people are searching for it. Um, what does that even mean? How do you design communication? Is it about like if I'm so I grew up as a writer, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm writing the article. I didn't I didn't even used to do the headlines, which looking right. back at that, that's like the craziest thing if you think about it. Right. But that's how newspapers worked at the time. And maybe they still work like that today. Probably do. Um, but, you know, I'm writing, but I'm also designing the blog post. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like I got subheads and I got podcasts in the middle and I maybe have an infographic, you know, and maybe I got something else. I got some links to click on. Um, so really what I'm what I'm doing is I'm I'm designing the whole experience design. Some design friends are going to disagree that that's design. But but is that what a communication designer does to an extent or, or how do you define that? Typically, the way communication designer has been used in the past is more along the lines of someone that's doing some kind of visual graphic and layout design of words and images. And that's perfectly legit. I'm broadening that to say, listen, every single thing, all the words, all the phrases, the order in which things are done, the stories that we tell, the imagery that we use, all of that is communication design. When I write an email, I'm designing that email and I'm either a good designer or a not good designer. If I'm doing a podcast, I'm designing the content and the flow and the architecture and it's either good or not good. Turns out every single form of communication, we are designing it. It's just whether we're doing it effectively or not. You know, what's interesting about that is it, what I just heard you say there is it's it's um, intentional, right? So when yes. you think about even this show, like everything we do on here, I mean, there's segments, so to speak, right? Like this is how we do it. We go here, we go there. Uh, it's 24 minutes. Uh, we fist bump, right? All mm -hmm. those things are very intentional um, to kind of liven the mood and, and you know, get people excited and not just ban banter about stupid stuff, right? Hey, Steve, who did you like in the games this weekend? Nobody cares. We're not a sports podcast. We are a business storytelling show. Mm -hmm. So let's kind of um, move over a little bit to how do we actually get to clear communication? Um, how do we get there? And, and, and what are what are the, the tips you can offer for people? I start with two reality check ahas uh, in the book and, and in all my workshops. The first one that we have to understand is when we are communicating, we're communicating in a climate of enormous noise and distraction. There are thousands and thousands of other stimuli out there, sources of information, screens, Netflix, CNN. We're actually filled with noise and our, our uh, biggest competition actually is the noise. People say, well, who's your competition? And someone will name a company or, or someone in the competitive space. Actually, no, we all have the same competition, noise and distraction. And we've got to rise above that somehow in any of our communications, whether it's teaching or preaching or email or writing a book. But the second aha is really, really interesting. <clears throat> we have 8 billion people on this planet. 8 billion different human brains with different experiences and feelings and thoughts. But the brain itself has an operating system. 
our customer is the human brain because that's where our message, our communication is going to go into the brain. And if we can understand what the brain wants, how it works, how it likes information, that's the key to being a great communication designer. So in a sense, we actually have one competition and one customer. We got to rise above the noise and we got to get into the brain. And that's what this book talks about is the techniques and the tactics for designing your communication to be what I call brain friendly so that it's processed quickly, accurately, and memorably. Uh, very interesting. So, you know, the one thing I, I started thinking about, we already put the banter aside, but there's also other business communication that certainly um, you're brainstorming, right? So like I'm trying to figure out where is that line? So I think there's some things that are clear cut. So I'm writing an article on my website. I'm doing a podcast. Clear. I mean, we can brainstorm a little bit on here, but at some point I got to get to the point. I can't just be like just brainstorming for 24 minutes, you know, or whatever. Right. Um, but where's that line that you need to have a point or that you're brainstorming, like even, let's say, with a client, you know, mm -hmm. like, do you always have to have a point and get to the point? Or is there also room for just talking to think, so to speak? There is room for a more free flow of discussion. But even in a brainstorming session, you want to have a point B that you're aiming at. We're at point A and we're aiming at point B. We want to arrive at this conclusion, this answer, this something. Now, it may be that we're going to kind of free flow our way toward that, but we don't just have a brainstorming session to have a brainstorming session. So the first of the four rules of uh, that I explain of effective communication is you've got to have a point. What's the point? And in the case of brainstorming, what's the destination? What are we trying to walk out of here with? And so that's our aim. Turns out <clears throat> many times people will write an email or give a talk or have a meeting or whatever, and they don't even know what their point is, let alone nobody else knows what the point is. So the very first rule, and it sounds so simple, but it's so often not done, is you got to have a point. And the simplest way to do that is to say, in this meeting or as a result of this email or this class, the audience, whether it's one or many, is thinking a certain way, feeling a certain way, acting a certain way. As a result of this communication, how do I want them to think and feel and act differently? And when you can articulate that shift in words, like in one sentence, that is the point. And that gives you the destination on the GPS so that you're actually moving toward something purposeful. I think the one big difference I always think about as well, and even just listening to you now, is like you can have a point, but if the point is more self-centered or focused on my needs, right, the, the, whoever I'm talking to will never care about it, right? <laughs> if I'm just, uh, whatever that might be, I can't think of a real good example, but sometimes content creators, they share the content that they would find interesting, right? Or you even have CEOs or executives right out there and they say, 
why would we do this? Like, I don't use content like that. And it's like, well, maybe you aren't, but are you even the target audience at all? No, you aren't, right? Well, you've brought up a very important point, which is the point has to be relevant for the audience, okay? So here's some remarkable stuff about the human brain. It is processing 11 million bits of information per second from all five senses, 11 million bits. When we focus on something, that's a 60-bit communication flow. So my challenge as a communicator is to secure your attention, that 60 bits, and I'm competing with 11 million bits. The part of the brain that does this, the master filter, the gatekeeper of attention is called the reticular activating system, the RAS. It is sorting through, and we're not even conscious of it. It's been going on all of our lives. The RAS has been protecting us from this inundation of data and allowing us to focus all of our lives. It is sorting through all of this, and it's asking one main question. What's in it for me? W-I-I-F-M. What's important? What's relevant? Why does this matter? And that's what we focus on. That's how the brain works. So in fact, it's the what's in it for me, the reason that triggers somebody to pay attention. And that's why we have to get to the point quickly so that people know why they should pay attention. If it takes us 20 minutes to finally explain the why, we lost them 19 minutes ago. So getting to the point quickly is the way that we engage anybody with what we're trying to say. Yeah, it's very like sometimes again, again, I think it comes back to you're just like doing it how you would do it, right? I mean, I have when I buy stuff like bigger things, you know, you go into the store or whatever, and they, they, they do it how they would do it for themselves. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about that. I want to, this is my question. Here's how I want to do it. Um, Which brings me to really one of the sections in your book, you talk, I mean, we've talked a lot about how to get to the point, but then you also in your book talk about how to get your point across. Now talk about that a little bit. What does that even mean? Uh, And is that really, is that more about the other person than me? Or maybe it's not, I guess. Well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the, the 8 billion humans have a brain with a human operating system, a brain operating system, and it's common. It works a certain way, but 8 billion people have a whole lot of different ideas and experiences. And what happens is we'll express an idea, we'll use words, but it may mean something very different to the other person. They may have different definitions, different uh, experiences, different context, different historical background, different culture. And so we can throw the words out, but that doesn't mean we've reached meaning or understanding. So the third rule of clear communications is how do you get the point across, which means you have to define, simplify, and explain. You can't just throw words out and assume communication has happened. Information is not communication. Communication is I'm taking these ideas and I'm putting them intact as close as possible into your mind. Then I've communicated. Then I've gotten the point across. And if I haven't done that, all I've done is waste time. Yeah, it's just very interesting how you have to think about it and how you, uh, you know, make sure it's relevant to the other person. And it actually has something to do with what what you're trying to accomplish. Now, the other section you talk about is um, 
getting on the same page. And this is an interesting one to me, quite frankly, because um, not everybody needs to get on the same page, right? So like sometimes, like when I'm looking at some content and I'm thinking, I don't get it. Like, I don't get it at all. But I'm also not the target audience, right? So you have to think about that. So when people just look at stuff and they go, oh, I like it or I don't like it. But what does that even mean? Are you the target audience? Are you even relevant? Um, before we get to that, uh, really quickly, just really appreciate people on Amazon um, clicking along and um, saying hello. We have one good morning from Seattle. Um, so if you want to let us know where you are, feel free to leave a comment. Always interesting to see the Amazon comments are not feeding into the Restream platform, unfortunately. So we can't throw it up, but always appreciate people uh, certainly um, giving a shout out and letting us know where they're from. Now, when does it matter to be on the same page? And what does that even mean? Well, purposeful communication means you're actually trying to accomplish something. You're trying to move toward a goal. You want to reach agreement if you can alignment, get people moving together in the same direction, especially in a corporate setting, and unified action. So typically, if I'm sending an email, or if I'm giving a talk, or if I'm having leading a meeting or doing leadership coaching, I've got goals. I want something to happen, and I want to bring you, in plural or singular, along to a certain destination. So getting them on the same page means we're trying to reach the point where we say, okay, maybe we don't see everything exactly the same, but we know where we're going. We've got the conclusion. We're going in this direction. And the thing with getting on the same page, and this sounds so intuitive, it's almost silly. People don't make the page. You can't be on the same page unless somebody writes the page. So what my clients say very often, we'll have a meeting and then next week we'll have that meeting again because nobody wrote down the conclusions and the action items and the summary of what we did. And I know that sounds real basic, but in fact, it's missing so often. I elevated that up to rule number four. You have to have a point, get to the point, get the point across, and then somebody's got to put it on a page so that we actually know and agree with where we've gotten and where we're going. Yeah, what we're going to do with it. Uh, kind of interesting on um, to, to think about that. Um, but how do you, so as you were just talking about whatever page you want to be on, I think in corporate America, there's we can call it a disease of the ever-changing opinions on everything, right? In fact, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were looking for help with one thing and it was written down. And then when they talked to me on the phone, it was completely different what they actually needed help with, like completely different. Now I I could help them with it. So it wasn't like totally like a waste, like it wasn't hundred percent of a waste of time, but I was like, is that actually what I read the other day? And it was completely different. So how do you kind of maneuver, you know, creating pages and then, People just keep flipping the book. How about that for a metaphor? Keep flipping the pages in the books, and they never stay on the same page. How do you maneuver right. that disease? Well, you know, that, that all comes down to a lack of clarity. So somebody said, here's what I want to talk about. But they really weren't clear on what they want to talk about. They wanted to talk about something else. So, you know, that there's a downstream problem to that one, that someone actually didn't know what they were going after. 
but I think of getting on the same page, if you think about two things where this could be very practical and, and easily implemented. One is, if you're going into a meeting, the leader of the meeting needs to have a clear agenda, something actually written. Here's what we're intending to accomplish in this meeting. Here's how we're going to get there. And here's what we're not going to do in this meeting. That sets the table of expectations and gets people aligned on, okay, here's what we're aiming for. Then at the end of the meeting, if there's a summary, here's what we discussed, here's what we agreed on, maybe here's a couple of outstanding questions we haven't yet addressed, here are the actions we're going to take. Very simple agenda and summary, and yet it's not done very often, and that leaves people adrift. Well, what am I supposed to be doing? Wait a minute, I don't remember agreeing to that. And the fact that it wasn't written on a shared page means people can reinterpret and forget or hear in fragments and not really get the point that was trying to make. You know, it, I think what happens sometimes is when you go to meetings and it's not clear what the meeting is about, quite frankly, you know, everybody has their own agenda, everybody has their own thoughts, and you don't know what um, what's going on. Uh, I think it was Jeff Bezos who said on, at Amazon, um, whoever's in charge of the meeting has to write a memo. And then um, people read the memo, not before the meeting, because nobody's going to do that anyways, but they have to sit down and read the memo in the meeting. And yeah. now we're all on the same page. And now we know you read it, so you don't just make up stuff. And now we can move forward. Um, so maybe that's a strategy. But yeah, I love that. I love that method. I think it's a great method. And it solves some of the problems of people coming into meetings unprepared, misaligned before we even start. And uh, and I think many more companies would benefit from having that sort of a, uh, <clears throat> a one page or two page, whatever the memo is that basically says, here's where we're going. Here's what we're all about today at this meeting. And it's kind of necessary because there's only so much time, right? Uh, as a final thought here for me is, you know, I think it's always good to remember that you're competing with everyone. Yes, that software product that I need to buy for work is literally competing with that New York Yankees head that yep. just popped up on my screen. Because guess what? I might leave and go to Fanatics and buy that hat as opposed to think about your software. Just something to think about. So that's uh, everybody competes with everybody. Steve, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, congratulations on the book. Continued um, success with it. In the last 30 seconds, you tell us who should reach out to you, who should work with you. Uh, what does that usually look like? So I have three main clients. Uh, one is organizations and companies that are looking to train their people on effective communication skills. And that's what this book, The Point, is all about. It's a handbook for that. I also work with individuals and small companies on their branding and strategy and the clarity of their identity and where they're going in their messaging. Um, and then the third audience is people that are looking for a speaker that can come and do a high impact session in a keynote or a workshop about clear communication and give people something tangible to walk away with. And I love doing those kind of talks anywhere from 30 minutes to 60 minutes. Uh, so those are my three primary audiences that I work with. 